0: Hello everyone, and welcome to Saturn Returns with me, Kagi Dunlop. This is a podcast that aims to bring clarity during transitional times where there can be confusion and doubt.
1: It's about being able to sit for a moment and say, okay, like, how do I feel? What's happening in my body right now? And how can I translate that into a movement?
0: Today, I'm joined by yoga teacher, fitness blogger, and creator of Soul Sanctuary, Kat Meffin. Kat was a dancer and gymnast before discovering yoga and finding a deeper connection to her body. I wanted to speak to Kat because free movement and getting out of my head and into my body was such a key moment in my own Saturn Returns journey. And so I wanted to discuss with her how yoga and free movement informs her spiritual practice and her healing and her self-love journey. In this episode, we discuss movement, sexuality, and our relationship with our bodies. We talk a little bit about CBT as well, and I just want to remind you all that everyone is different, and different techniques work for different people, so please don't change what you are doing without talking to a professional first. Finally, I do want to warn you that we talk about eating disorders in this episode, and it may be triggering for some of you listening, so if that's not for you, please listen to a different episode on Saturn Returns instead. So I hope you enjoy this episode. We cover a lot of ground, but before we get into it,
2: let's check in with our astrological guide, Nora. If we've learned anything about Saturn return and any Saturn period, it's that we're meant to learn about discipline, self-governance and responsibility. Through the pressure that we experience at these times and the endurance we exhibit, we slowly grow closer to become the adult we want to be in the world, and not the one we've been influenced to become by repressive norms or restrictions. So we know this, and we feel this, but do we really allow it to sink in? So often we're caught up in the world of self-help and of dramatic lifestyle makeovers, internalizing as much information as we can, as fast as we can, And then feeling frustrated when the internal transformation isn't initiating as fast as we'd like it to why do we still feel unfulfilled if we follow the instructions to become more fulfilled well ask yourself what's the pace of saturn it's slow it takes two and a half years to transit one sign for saturn and i know it's counterintuitive to do things slowly because of the climate we live in today but without doing this, we never tune into the true voice of inner guidance and wisdom. These things need time. In a world, and this includes the modern spiritual world, by the way, where the norm is the pace of the rat race, Saturn reminds us that slow and steady wins the race. You can't rush a masterpiece. For the sake of our mental health and future well-being, it's important to implement this Saturnian lesson as a foundation to all that follows a Saturnian time. Take it slow and make informed, mature decisions. Step out of comparison and ephemeral trends. Those don't even withstand the cycles of Saturn. That's how we use Saturn's energy responsibly while governing our life in a way that fits our path, no matter how slow the progress seems to the rest of the world. The best thing we can do before being of service to the world is to know ourselves, be responsible for ourselves, and to take care of ourselves.
0: Hello, Cat.
1: Hello, Kagi. Thank you for having me. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. I am. I've actually had a bit of a had a few days of a bit of a slump. Had a few down days, which I'm okay with. And um, today, I feel good today. I was thinking this morning. I am getting
0: emotionally whiplashed by how quickly mm. my moods are changing. It's like gear shifting
1: oh. every day. I feel, I feel like I'm having a period every week. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm like I, I'm like a yo-yo. I feel you. And I do you know what? And everyone I'm speaking to is is feeling the same. You know, what I
0: really wanted to discuss with you is because, you know, you very much tie in your spiritual life with your with your physical through yoga, yeah. through dance, through free movement and all this stuff. And I that was probably a really key moment for me in I you know, I was totally disconnected from my body. I think a lot of mm. people a lot of people are. And it was when I went on this retreat and we were told that we were going to do this free movement exercise. Mm. And we thought, oh God, where? Juicy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like, like, this is so humiliating. Get me out of here. And anyway, I started it and then... I don't know, there was just something that shifted and I just dropped out of my head and into my body. Yeah. And it was like a real pivotal moment, like everything just shifted. And I suddenly realized how disconnected I had been and also how much emotion was stored in there. And, you know, I'm definitely by no means like anywhere close to where you are with it. But I would say that even people that are on a spiritual
1: journey and do yoga and stuff, there's a disconnect between the two totally I mean I came to yoga like my background was in gymnastics and dancing but it was very structured it was somebody else's sequence it was somebody else's you know guidance which is great and the guidance and the way showing is beautiful but actually there was never any room to improvise or embellish and kind of like have a little play with with mm-hmm. how I feel and putting that in so I came to yoga very much through the physical um probably about just about 11 years ago I started practicing yoga and I just thought oh this is great like you know I've got a few injuries I can't jump up and down so this is a nice form of like gentle exercise and then from there it just started to grow when I did my yoga teacher training I just really wanted to grow my own journey. And again, was just thinking from a physical point of view. And then I just, I just started, it's just started opening these doors for me. I started doing more research, looking into the philosophy, but not only that, looking into myself and, you know, learning just what kind of person I am, like challenging myself and a lot of teacher trainings, you know, they don't just talk about yoga it's very much you know we look at our patterns we look at you know our how we've been brought up and and I think that by by coming into this realization of like you know which which patterns have we copied which ones have we rebelled how can we actually change the direction of our own journey how can we actually look at our own path and our own journey. And that's kind of where I then stepped into this, this kind of free movement and this dance, because I didn't know how to express a lot of my Mm -hmm. emotion. And I, you know, some people might do it through art and through painting, other people might do it through, through acting and embodying an emotion through movement is just this, it's like this explosion of, of realization of, of release. Mm-hmm. i think that happens in your body and i would i would really tell anybody like dancer or no dancer it's not about being able to dance it's not about being able to make shapes it's about being able to sit for a moment and say okay like how do i feel what's happening in my body right now and how can i translate that into a movement so sometimes like I'm literally walk around a room stomping like an absolute lunatic I think, <laughs> I, I, think I stomp around
0: Hyde Park every day yeah. I actually sent away from my friend like, uh, Kirsty Gallagher who was on the podcast and she does a lot of stuff around like moon cycles and she yes. and I have become very good friends and we'll just message each other saying fancy
1: It is. it's like you know sometimes that is like the way to get it out it doesn't need to be this this kind of graceful fluid movement sometimes it is if I'm feeling you know into like more of my sensual kind of body and there's kind of like my second chakra just kind of needs like a little bit of a release like this sacral kind of place where we feel into kind of sexuality and sensuality then yes it might be a little bit more fluid and graceful and expressive but sometimes i look like i'm yeah i've lost the plot i guess it's that thing isn't it when you know dance like nobody's watching but it's a yeah.
0: lot easier said than done it's a bit like when people say how do i write in a journal and a lot of people mm. have spoken to me when they've tried to do it they're like oh i can't help but do it as if there's a sort of film you know the, as if i'm in a film and i'm a character that's writing yeah. my story rather than just doing it and i think it's kind of the same for movement because it feels so foreign and it, you know if we see people like you doing it and you're a dancer and an athlete and a gymnast. It's like, well, it's easy for her to do it. She looks magnificent. Yeah. But I look
1: <laughs> like a sort and of I... four year old fumbling around. <laughs> and I, I mean, I would, I totally agree. And I, you know, I, I do say this, you know, at the moment where I'm filming for um, the soul sanctuary, which is my like monthly membership. And we're in our months of intuition. And so we're kind of like really exploring like how to embody it. And, you know, and I make a point of, of, not putting on my dancer hat mm-hmm. whilst filming it and kind of doing these like, you know, very bizarre kind of body pulses, which I'm actually, if, if we were on video, you'd be seeing me doing them right now. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just trying to allow people to really like just let go. And I, the, the direction that I usually give rather than just say, right now move. I just kind of, as we move, I guide it in a way that's like, okay, so just move the fingers and just allow your fingers to literally like touch the space around where they are. So they're just kind of like floating through space, which is this beautiful kind of like visualization of, you know, maybe even you kind of like, You visualize that you are in space and there's stars around you and you're just tapping them. You're just moving from kind of like star to star. And then you start to add in the arms and the legs. And then I just say, okay, and if you could let go just 5% more than you are right now, what would that look like? How would that feel? And that in itself is a massive achievement. It doesn't need to be straight away, like 100% I'm giving it. Because Going also, bonkers, yeah. And like there's days when even I feel like I practice this all the time, but there's days when I feel super, anxious or my body is just really resisting something and the movement doesn't feel as free as it sometimes does and that's normal because we you know we're ultimately we are ever-changing beings and every single day our emotions especially as women and we are our hormones they're constantly changing and shifting so we're not gonna just because you look you know you really let it go one day doesn't mean it's going to feel exactly the same the next day Mm -hmm. and we need to just be okay with that
0: you touched on um sexuality Mm. is part of it what does that mean to you in terms of because it's something that we we've discussed quite a lot in season two of the podcast and it's a space that I am really interested in in terms of like this the spiritual part and the you know really connecting with self part as opposed to the I guess sort of more vulgar aspect yeah fine
1: line to tread you know and I I think as well you know really for me it's about you know i i have i get to explore that with my partner but I really want to explore those feelings on my own. I I don't Mm -hmm. want to just be intimate with with the man in my life as wonderfully as he is. I want to be able to be intimate with myself. And so, you know, by kind of moving, I'll put on maybe kind of a slightly slower song and just by moving very gently and allowing my hands to Mm -hmm. kind of caress my body, like feeling my skin, you know, touching myself in every area, And it doesn't Mm -hmm. need, it's not something that I feel I I should ever be ashamed of or that I feel anyone should ever be ashamed of. I'm, you know, this is my body and I've, it's taken me a really, really long time to get to a point where I do see it as, as this beautiful container. Um, you know, like I struggled very much with eating disorders when I was younger. So kind of my relationship with my body has been a very long road. And so now even just quite simply, like, you know, some of the practices that I'll teach will sit in a simple cross-legged position and I'll ask people just to close their eyes and just stroke their thigh. Mm-hmm. And that, that sensual, that sensual touch, like noticing your fingertips on your skin, that doesn't even need to be sexual. That is just no. allowing yourself to really embrace your own body. And then, yeah, then when it turns into Feeling more sexual—it's not. It doesn't mean I'm necessarily going from a dance to my mind vibrator. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> Depends <laughs> what day of the week it is. <laughs> I mean, there's been times, but that's not not what I'm necessarily saying. It's you know, it, opening up a new way of feeling. It's just opening up that you know, sexuality doesn't need to mean you know, pleasure with a partner or pleasuring yourself in the ways that we we. Assume. It does like be that with sex toys or, or, you know, your own yourself, but it can literally mean through movement. Like I can get myself on such a high and feel so alive just through embracing movement, but feeling more like a goddess and feeling into this really kind of like sexual way as if, you know, almost as if I'm like performing for myself. Mm.
0: It sounds like the ultimate act of self-love, really.
1: Yeah. And it's and it's scary. There's no denying that. There's no denying that, you know, it's the first time you do it. You're like, oh, gosh, is someone going to walk upstairs? Can someone see through my window? <laughs> like, what's going on? But actually, like, I'm doing this for, you know, none of those dances get filmed for Instagram. They're not, you know, they're yeah. just for me. They're not for anyone else. Yeah.
0: And this, I guess, is the... the that kind of hits the nail on the head in terms of female sexuality is it's like, even, I think a lot of this conversation around it, that's put on social media, perhaps, you know, it does come from the right place, but is it just re-commodifying women's bodies rather than reclaiming them in a different way? Because it's essentially all still through the male gaze, if that Mm. makes sense. So I think what you're talking about is something that's so key is it's just like, it is for you and you alone. And it doesn't have to be this goal orientated exercise. It's to, like you say, to do with like orgasms or yeah. vibrators or sex in the way that we've received it. It's about, it's an energetic thing with yeah. self.
1: And I do, you know, and it's that, that feeling of being alive and you can feel alive in joy. You can feel alive in, in your sexuality. And, and there are many different ways to feel alive. And it's exactly that. It's without needing, without needing a climax, without needing to sort of be like, oh, yeah, I did it. You know, it's, mm. it's a completed task. It's just about, like, gifting yourself with the kind of the love and, the, and, and almost being able to look at yourself with desire. You know, mm-hmm. like, how special is that? And how, how rarely do we actually do that? Well, I'd say it's, like, almost been actively discouraged. Yeah.
0: You know, you know desire for a woman always stems from desirability from another mm. partner. You know, it's like they, they feel desire
1: when they feel desired, Yeah. And you, you know, so often, how often is it where, you know, your partner might say, oh, like, you know, you look amazing or someone will give you a compliment and suddenly you then look at yourself and you're like, oh yeah, but why do we need that initial, why do we need that initial comment to make us Mm -hmm. realize it? And so I guess through, through the embodied movement and through kind of just, you know, moving myself and feeling kind of like proud of what my body can do, I get to kind of feel that as well. When, because you mentioned that you had a less sort of
0: harmonious relationship Mm. with your body when you were younger, how did that manifest itself, and what were the sort of what was the process in finding peace again?
1: Yeah. um, So when I was fifteen, I mean, so being a dancer and a gymnast is a little bit kind of cutthroat, anyway, in that you are always looked at for your your body. You know, depending on the Mm. level that you're at, unfortunately, you know, I had a letter sent home to my parents to say that I was because we got weighed all the time and saying that I was a little bit overweight. I mean, which looking back now is just hilarious because I was like this muscly little rake, but it is what it is. And I think that, that that was at the age of 13. And so that was kind of like the trigger then that led me into bulimia. I was kind of borderline bulimic anorexic like I didn't binge bulimic um I kind of just ate less than normal but was still purged um and it was a real roller coaster I think for, you know probably until 15 to I'd say like 19 and then 19 to 21 I sort of started looking into therapy and it's really it probably took then from from the day that I decided, and it really did work, it did happen like this for me, and I know that this is probably hard to believe for a lot of people, but I genuinely just one day, I was an inpatient at the Priory, and it were doing a lot of CBT, and it just wasn't working for me. I just didn't really, I didn't resonate with that, with the form of therapy. For um, those that
0: don't know, that's cognitive behavioural therapy. What does that yeah. entail?
1: Yeah. So it's a lot to do with, and I don't. It might have come on differently now, but when I was there, it was a lot to do with kind of like finding. um, It was like solution based, so it was wasn't really looking at the root cause. It was looking at kind of like so. When you get this, when you get this urge to do something, what tools can you put in place to stop yourself doing it? And though that does help, it doesn't help with the innate sadness that you feel about yourself that only helps top level kind of on the, on the surface layer Mm -hmm. of, okay, I feel like I want to purge. What am I going to, what, practices can I put in place to stop it but that doesn't help it wasn't helping me or at least I didn't feel like it was helping me or
0: it wasn't getting to like the heart of the matter I guess yeah
1: Yeah. it wasn't looking at like why why do I feel this way and so I just I got to this point where I was like I am so tired and exhausted of hating my body my body and Mm -hmm. it really and I just I was dating a guy at the time and I just said, you know, what, I'm, I think I'm just going to make you a promise right now that I'm going to get better because I'm really, really tired and I just don't want to feel like this anymore. And, you know, I'm. it definitely wasn't an easy road. And though I might have not been textbook bulimic after that, I definitely went through, you know, a Obsessions in other ways, addiction to exercise, you know, you know, different types of dieting, which might seem Mm -hmm. healthy at the time, like you know, going healthier,
0: but they're still coming from not the right place, I guess.
1: Exactly, exactly. You know, very much like you know, going deep into like a paleo diet and things like Mm -hmm. that, and it just being so harsh with myself and so much self sabotage and punishment, and um, yeah, and then it just kind of took. A few years of unraveling and really deepening my my understanding of my emotions, my understanding of food and and what I enjoy, and you know I now eat fully plant based, and that's been I've been doing that for three years, and that actually it was before that when I went vegetarian. Even that was you know. A, it was looking at food differently. I went into mm-hmm. it kind of, and it's not about saying like anyone needs to eat in a particular way, but it's just noticing what works for you and what kind of lifestyle is gonna nourish your soul for what you, you know, believe or what you think. And yeah, the more in touch I got with the yoga and the movement and actually moving, not from a place of being told what to do, but moving from a place of feeling, I was able to just fall back in love, I think, with my body. Totally. And also moving from a place of, you know,
0: I, I'm doing this as a spiritual practice, not as a goal-orientated mm. practice to get help, like healthier yeah. or thinner or stronger. Or it's like you, you're enjoying the process of it. And I think, you know, I relate to so much of what you talked about. And I've talked about it before. Um, but I went through, yeah, I was 16 actually when it, so I suddenly started putting on weight for the first time when I was like, I was tiny, 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 but I actually hated that about myself because mm. obviously you always just hate whatever, yeah. whatever you are. Yeah. Um, and all the other girls, you know, like were more developed, and I was just like, oh, what can I do to grow and to like put on a bit of weight and look like a woman? Because no boys were interested in me because I just didn't look like a woman, and I absolutely loathed that. And then I started like eating so much to try and put on weight. Huh? not a very good idea (laughs) but I literally could eat and then like nothing would happen then suddenly when I got it was actually about 17 I started putting on a bit of weight but it wasn't in the way that I thought it wasn't like just to my boobs it was like (laughs) anywhere else actually and I was like oh this isn't that fun but because I'd already kind of like checked out of my intuitive eating Mm. um and into this place of Without realizing it as well, associating it with a sense of safety. Like I associated a sense of fullness yes. with a sense of like safety and love. And it was, you know, to do with a whole like array of other things to do with like my parents getting divorced and stuff like that. But anyway, then I kind of went really dramatically the other way very quickly and lost a huge amount of weight and was, you know, very unhealthy. And I would say that even though it balanced itself out from the outside within a year, mm. I still was harboring those issues for the best part of my 20s. Yeah. And I remember it was like towards the end of my 20s. I was like, as similar to yours, I I do not want to go through my life Mm. feeling this way about myself. And it was very much aligned with me stopping drinking as well so I want because I know you don't drink do
1: you? I don't I don't drink at all and I am at the time I didn't see it fully correlating but really ultimately the drinking was a way to escape myself and how I Mm -hmm. felt about myself and Mm -hmm. to feel more confident around men or feel more confident just around friends and all things like that and and really they did even though I couldn't see it at the time, they were so connected, so interconnected, because because ultimately it was this kind of deep rooted sadness that I had as to like who I was and not feeling worthy enough just to be Mm -hmm. as I, as I am to be, you know, I can be fun without alcohol. Um, and I can be beautiful without needing to lose weight or to, to hide, you know, food or whatever it might be. So yeah, I really resonate with that. And where, so when did your sort of sober journey begin? So I have been sober for six six years now. So it wasn't until I had, you know, I'd kind of, I was with a new partner, not the partner I'm with now, but I, you know, came into a really beautiful relationship and just felt safe, felt like, you know, I really just enjoyed enjoyed being. Um, And then I I noticed that when I stopped drinking, I never was a drinker kind of during the week. It was just binge drinking. It was kind of go out and just get, you know, totally. Yeah, it's totally wasted. And, you know, you know, I've had some hilariously wonderful memories. However, I deeply rooted behind that has always been just kind of this need to kind of be more than I Mm. am and and not feeling, not feeling enough or wanting to mask something. And I just didn't like the person that I was kind of, that I was. I hated that I had, you know, this dangerous memory loss. I didn't like feeling that kind of out of control like you know I love I love getting lost in movement or in other forms of, of whatever it might be but that feeling of being out of control with with alcohol just felt really dangerous and very yeah. very kind of un, unconscious very unaware totally and also I I don't know whether you relate to this, but so much of
0: what you're saying is, is like exactly what I experience. And when I describe it to people, it's like it it's a spiritual darkness, actually, mm. that would come over me afterwards because I was opening myself up in a way that was completely out of control. When I would drink in the past, it's like I was possessed. By yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. me, me, you and me both. <laughs> and I mean, I think some people loved her and some people were like, I... Hate who you become, and I kind of hated who I became because I was like I was capable of doing things that I would never do, Mm. and you know it was obviously a part of me. And I think the key thing is to like bring that into a different form of embodied practice that's like that allows it to be free and expressed, but in a way that's healthy and you know spiritually positive as opposed to dark.
1: Yeah. And I, I massively relate to to that. And It was almost like a hangover for me wasn't just kind of a physical thing. A spiritual it was, thing. yeah, it was like this whole emotional kind of come down. Yeah. And it, yeah, it was a real, a real kind of event and mm-hmm. it would sometimes last for a few days. And I just kind of thought, oh, you know, I'm just one of those people that gets bad hangovers, but really what that I think was, was my whole, my soul kind of trying to pick the pieces back yeah. up again, because it was just me coming so far out of myself, coming out so far out, yeah, out of my truth. And so it was like my soul being like, okay, Han, we need a few days because you've really shattered us. You've really <laughs> fucked us up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay. I'm going to do it all again next Friday. <laughs> yes, just FYI, yes. I'm going to do Thursday, <laughs> Friday, and Saturday next week.
0: <laughs> what uh, was the What was the moment when you were like, "No more"?
1: Oh gosh, you really want to know?
0: Yeah, We're, now I really want to
1: know. I so the last time that I drank was I um, went to a, a wedding with my with my ex partner, and it was his Ooh, his for lethal. Oh yes, <laughs> so it was his best friend's wedding, and I only have very few memories of the night. And you know, I woke up in the morning, and everyone was like, "Way, like cat, life and soul of the party," and I was like, "Huh." I was like I don't know what they mean and apparently I was at the bar and I was trying to show everyone how to do a headstand but because I was (laughs) so drunk well because I was so drunk I couldn't do the headstand so instead I decided to show people how to do forward rolls (laughs) and I'm in like the you know these beautiful flared trousers and this backless top I mean god knows if there was boob going everywhere and then probably the visualization (laughs) yeah exactly and you know and then the uh, the only thing I remember is getting the bride a drink and it was a glass of red wine and very very fiercely running over to her with this glass of red wine and I don't think it actually went on her dress but it was like, it was like a film it was like you don't give the bride red wine when she's wearing a white dress or at her with it yes exactly in this like extremely aggressive manner and I just and I and it was like this kind of feeling in the morning where Everyone else knew what I had done, and I didn't. And I just felt really it's a lot of shame. Yeah, I, and yeah. I just felt really uncomfortable. And I just was like, it just wasn't me. I'd come on yeah. so far with my other practices, and it just yeah. felt very disjointed from totally. this other this this person I felt I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was the last time. I just, I just was like, I don't, I don't want to do it anymore. And actually, do you know what? And I say this to a lot of people. I honestly believe that not drinking at all is easier than just drinking a little bit yeah. because there's so much peer. Pr- I found that when I, I don't know about how you made you came to it, but when I sort of said, "Oh, I'm only going to drink kind of on special occasions," that yeah. was worse because a I'd go like in mental. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd go like for it massively, but also, but then people would be like, "Oh, but you." You so say you're not drinking tonight, but you drunk at her birthday. I know.
0: And then it's like they get like personally offended by it. It's like you're not showing yeah. up for them, but you oh, show up for that person. Yeah.
1: It was like the fun police came out and it was like, oh, well, you clearly don't want to have as much fun at my birthday. Yeah. And that just kind of really, and, and it, those, those comments really hit me. And I was like, wow, the, this is the society we're in where people are genuinely comparing me based on how much I want to drink.
0: But also, this sort of subliminal message is you're not present if you're not drinking.
1: Yeah. And how and how mad is that? And you're to like, think trust it, that me? I'm not opposite. present when I am. Like. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and that's and that's you know makes me actually quite quite kind of sad in itself is that that is what we what so many people believe, and it's like, wow, if only you could know how how much more you could show up for someone and how much more present you could be if you didn't have you know two bottles of wine to yourself <laughs> absolutely i
0: think i really get it i really get it and i think what you're saying that it's easier not to was also like a journey for me that you know took a lot of tr- tr- a lot of trying to find a solution yeah. that didn't yeah. mean that i didn't drink completely um however like you know evidence would suggest that it's probably just too much, like, risky business for me. Yeah. And uh, I think it, it does depend on the kind of person you are. Like, I'm an all-or-nothing totally kind of me girl. me I, like, <laughs> literally she... before in the past when people, are, like, balance,
1: I'm like, what? I don't understand what that means. What is, yeah. you know, no. going by heart I was very you know my mum always said to me you need to know when your limit is and I'm like yeah but then I'm pissed by that point and I've got no idea when my limit is and I think it's in another bottle of wine's time
0: <laughs> well I think for me it's like I I will get to that point but it's actually very would be very very early on if I was honest yes but I then there's something that does occasionally switch in me and I've always described it as Russian roulette because I never quite know when that moment is but when it comes it's it's too late yes and It's like this, depending on what state I'm in in myself, I see it as a ticket to sort of dive into oblivion. And quite often I'm like, I can't, let's do it, you know? (laughs) Because I just kind of disregard, I want to disregard life, to be completely honest. I want to just like completely abandon everything and escape. But of course I have to like wake up and deal with the cause. I get this thing. Do you ever get this thing, which I call a phantom hangover, my friend gets it as well because he he stopped drinking. And it's like I have a dream that I go completely bonkers <laughs> and I wake up and I've honestly got like a dry mouth and like my eyes won't open and I'm like, oh my God. And it takes me about five minutes to realise none of it happened. Uh, no, or is that just I me? don't have that
1: much fun <laughs> in my dreams apparently. <laughs> it's not fun.
0: I'm telling you, it's not fun. I think it's my subconscious just giving me a the odd reminder that it's still not a good idea. Yeah, I, I mean, like,
1: I mean, my dreams are, sadly, because I watch way too many murder mysteries and thrillers and things about, oh, you know... Oh, me too. I'm, My dreams are normally like I'm waking up and I think I've been murdered or something. I mean, I wish I was out partying.
0: No, the, I, I love those shows as well, but they don't <laughs> affect me in any way, which is often I find quite weird, because some people, like, just get really affected. And I'm just like, I don't know, this sort of weirder and... Well, you're I up. I better. have to watch
1: them at least an hour before the white the bed wind down. I I can't watch them like and and kind of almost then just fall asleep. But um, I currently just finished Bridgerton, and that was the best form of escapism. It, I think it was really necessary right now.
0: That's what we need: oh. just lighthearted escapism. Yeah.
1: I think that's the thing. I think when you're on this, you're when you're kind of on this journey it's very easy to sort of think that you're almost like not allowed to still want to watch Netflix and lay in bed for a couple of hours. I think mm-hmm. that sometimes I even, even I still as like, you know, as a, as a teacher, like I think, oh, I should really be kind of putting all my practices into place. And I'm like, well, they have their time and that, you know, I'm very well accustomed to my practices, but sometimes there's absolutely nothing wrong with literally just having a bit of a duvet, duvet day with some Netflix and a film.
0: Absolutely. Especially right now. It's just like, yeah, through
1: what I wanted to
0: to ask you about before you go, we kind of touched on movement as an act of self love. Mm -hmm. But what about emotions that are stored in the body? And what would be your advice for someone that finds this all quite foreign and a bit daunting? um,
1: Where to sort of begin? So I think for me, the kind of best advice that I could give is to not overthink it because i think that it is very easy to to kind of maybe hear me say things like oh i want to feel into my second chakra and i'm going to like dance through my padastana <laughs> and all of this stuff but ultimately that's purely because that's where i've done my my training that's that's yeah. just my way of tapping into it and i think that if i could give really any advice it would be just put on a song that you really like and just dance around the house. And that's just, you know, somewhere to start. Like, you know, you can start to embody your emotions when you feel a bit more comfortable with letting go. But when when you're just kind of starting out, and this is when, you know, when I'm on my retreats, we do free movement and free dance every morning. And the first day, the playlist is always songs that people will know it's kind of those kind of crowd pleaser songs because i don't you know what i what i want is for people just to get get comfortable with just dancing just letting go you know doing some dad dance moves having a little bit of a giggle and i think that really that's a good place to start but one thing i would say is Try to be aware of and almost maybe write it down if, you, if you're somebody that journals, like how you felt before and then how you feel after. Mm. And then you can start to become more and more aware of A, how the practice is, is helping you, but B, just noticing your emotions Like saying, like, actually, like, I feel a little bit sad or I feel a little bit anxious and being able to write that down or say it out loud or admit that to yourself and being okay with it. And not over identifying with it. Yeah. And also just kind of, you know, knowing that your emotions aren't something that need to be fixed. Every emotion is valid. But the only way that we can really really accept that every emotion is valid is if we get more intimate with the emotion and we get to know it a bit more and then we're able to channel it so that's why the movement and doing it in this kind of slightly more I guess more mainstream way of just having like almost like a silent disco in your in your house put your headphones on have a dance around it's quite a nice way to get familiar with just a feeling before a feeling after and just notice your body like notice what feels good like does kind of shimmying your shoulders feel good is that where maybe you you're holding up a little bit of tension in your chest. Maybe it's like opening your chest because it feels like it's stuck. Maybe you notice yourself kind of going down into some lunges. <laughs> you know, <laughs> is are kind of and but noticing all these things bit by bit, and it won't happen straight away, but you know, I'm able to now notice what part of me, like where the tension feels stuck. And I, one other thing I'd love to add is to use your breath as a way mm. of noticing. So before you do the practice. I always kind of just sit and I just breathe normally. No no kind of judgment on like what's happening in my breath, not making any changes, so not doing any pranayama or any breath technique, but I'm able to just say, okay, is my breath is it fast? Is it shallow? Is it slow? Is it is it deep into my belly? Like where, and notice if there's tension, like today, because I've kind of had like a few off days and I know that I've got lots to do today, I can feel that there's like this ever so slight bit of tension in my chest. Mm-hmm. And I know that it's an anxious energy because I kind of think, oh, I've got to, I've got to do these things, but I'm so aware of it. And so I, I know that I can, I can probably just move it out or I can sit with it and just be like, okay, cool, you're here and that's okay.
0: Mm, I think awareness is,
1: is key. It's key, so key. And like we can only become more aware by, by really repetition and, and by constantly just checking in with ourselves.
0: Well, Kat, thank you so, so much for having this conversation with me. It really, honestly, lifted my spirits quite a lot. I definitely needed it today. So thank you for joining us. I love this conversation with Kat. It just felt like I was catching up with an old friend. And, you know, we'd never met before this. We'd never had a conversation before, so... I think there was a lot of similarities in our characters and in our journeys, in a way. And what I really love about her is she's real with it. She's not just saying the stuff that sounds right. She's really living it, and it's also very honest about where she came from and you know the realities and, and the funny side of all this stuff. So I hope you enjoyed this conversation and took something away from it. You can find Kat on Instagram at katmethan or her website katmethan.com and you can follow our astrological guide Nora on Instagram at starsincline and contact her if you would like a reading and you can follow me at Katki's World. If you enjoyed this episode, I would love it if you could follow the show and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or just share it with a friend. Saturn Returns is a Feast Collective production. The producer is Hannah Barrell and the executive producer is Kate Taylor. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, you are not alone. Goodbye.